0: During the summer months, we're in a sermon series entitled, By Request, and I'm preaching on subjects that you have asked me to preach on. Some of you have given me themes, some of you have given me topics, some of you have given me specific text, and I've stored these away over the years and try to cover as many as I can, when I can. This morning, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21, the title of the message, There is Nothing... Like a song. There is nothing like a song. Ephesians chapter 5. The words of the greatest Christian man who ever lived. His name was the Apostle Paul. He's writing under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit. He's writing to the church at Ephesus that was made up of believers just like you and I. And in verse 18 he says, Be not drunk with wine. Which is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, what's one of the characteristics of a man or woman that's filled with the Spirit? Speaking to yourselves in psalms, in hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks. Always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now I want to call your attention specifically to verse 19. He says to the Christians there, he said, Speaking to yourselves in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs, you sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. The story is told of a mother who brought her daughter a guitar for her birthday. When the mother's friend and her were, got together and started talking several weeks after that, the friend asked the mother, Well, how is your daughter doing on her guitar? Well, the mother said, well, after a few days with the guitar, I figured out that that wasn't her instrument. So we went back and we changed it out for a clarinet. And the friend said, well, how come? And the mother said, well, with the clarinet, she can't sing Well, I think we would all agree when it comes to singing, you either have it or you don't. You're either a songbird or you're a dodo bird. But you know, the Bible says to us in so many places that God's people should be singers. We should be singers of praise to Him. Whether our singing be good or bad, whether you be a songbird or a dodo bird, You should be a singer, a singer of praises to him. Psalm 32, verse 11, be glad in the Lord. Rejoice, you who are righteous, and sing for joy, all you that are upright in heart. Psalm 33, verse 2, praise the Lord with a heart. Sing unto him with the psaltery. Verse 3, sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with the loud noise. The psalmist says in Psalm 105, verses 1 and 2, Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. How? By singing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Tell others of his wondrous works. Psalm 149, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing praises unto him with your timbrels and your harp. Let the saints be joyful in glory. How? By singing aloud upon their beds. Just a casual reading of the Bible says to us loudly and clearly that God wants his people to sing. He wants us to sing to show our joy. He wants us to sing to give him praise. He wants us to sing to celebrate his goodness, his kindness, his blessings unto us. I don't believe it's accidental or coincidental. That David, who was called a man after God's own heart, one of the greatest men in the Bible, one of the greatest Christians perhaps who's ever lived, I don't think it's strange that he was a singer. In his singing, David declared his joy to the Lord. In his singing, he praised the Lord. In his singing... He thanked the Lord for God's goodness to him. Somewhere we've gotten the idea in the modern church that singing in worship is only for singers. May I say to you, no, 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 a thousand times no. Singing is for believers. The question is, is not do you have a voice? The question is do you have a song? Do you have something in your heart that's worth singing to God about? A three year old little girl was singing. She said, I love you, Lord, and I lift up my noise. <laughs> Those of you who know the song, know it's Lift Up My Voice. But she got misunderstood. She said, I lift up my noise. And you know, the Bible says we're to make a joyful what? Noise unto the Lord. See, the Lord made us. He knows that some of us can't sing a lick. Some of us do our best singing in the shower by ourselves. But the question is, do we have a song? Not do we have a voice. Do we have a song? The psalmist had a song. The apostle Paul had a song. David had a song. Do you have a song? Do I have a song? You see, singing is a reflection of the joy that's in our heart. Do you understand that? When you sing, it's a reflection of your joy. When you sing, it's a praise unto the Lord. That's what singing does. It shows forth our joy, and it gives him praise. But also, singing does something else. Singing has a transforming effect on those who do it. And it has a transforming effect on those who listen to it. I think we all want to see transformation. You want to see transformation in your life? I do. You want to see transformation in the lives of people around you? I think you do. Well, do you know singing has a way of transforming people and has a way of transforming you and I? It not only shows joy, singing, but it has the power to make A secular study was done in 1998 at Michigan State University. Now these are not Christian people. these are secularists, and they were studying the impact, the impact of music on people who have on people in general. And you know what they found? That singing in music affects our physical bodies. It causes our our mental processes, our respiratory processes, and our cardio processes to either dramatically increase or dramatically decrease. So as you listen to music, as you listen to songs, it's either going to speed everything up in you and give you energy when you need it, Or it will slow everything down in you and give you serenity and tranquility when you need it. It can have an energizing effect or it can have a a quieting effect. Depending on the type of singing and the type of music that you're listening to. This same study also found that not only affects people who are healthy physically... But it also affects people who are sickly physically. In this study, they included cancer patients. And you know what they found? When people are battling with a disease like cancer, singing and music can facilitate the healing of their body. It can bolster their immune system. It can minimize the pain they're going through singing and music can have a transforming effect on those who are listening to it, as well as those who do it themselves. And not only that, but it can also have a spiritual impact on us. When we sing songs about the Lord Jesus, when we listen to music that exalts Him, And the things of the faith, does it not give you peace and joy and hope? When when you hear the kind of music we heard this morning, doesn't it give you a booster shot of peace? Doesn't it increase your joy? Doesn't it magnify your hope? Only godly music can do that, I might add. Only Christian music has that ability to do that. That's why we sing. That's why we play music. That's why it's a part of our worship. We want to give you more peace. We want to give you more joy. We want to give you more hope. We want to give you an opportunity to show the joy that's in your heart and to praise God. And to celebrate His goodness. Many of you think that the only reason why we sing is because we've got an hour and a half and we've got to do something with it. I assure you that's not the reason. Or we pay Keith and we've got to give him something to do. No. It's part of the whole worship experience. Notice I said Christian songs do that. When you listen to other kind of songs, it too can have an impact on you. But it's not always a positive one. Do you know most modern songs are about hopelessness, not hope? About sadness and strife, not joy? about chaos and not peace. Secular music sings about hopelessness and immorality and anger and selfishness and drunkenness. A research study was done of a radio station. The radio station that particular week it was studied had 279 songs that they played. Now, some of them they played more than once, but they, that, was their, that was their playlist for the week, 279 songs. Do you know that 98% of, that, of those 279 songs that were played over the airwaves by that particular radio station that particular week had a negative connotation? The songs were about darkness, The songs were about debauchery, the songs were about despair, the songs were about drunkenness, the songs were about woe, the songs were about wickedness, the songs were about headaches, they were about heartaches. Ninety-eight percent had a downing negative effect on those who listened to the songs and the music. Now listen to your pastor very carefully. Do you know who was the song leader in heaven before he fell? Satan. He was the son of the morning. He was an archangel. And his primary responsibility in heaven was to lead the angelic choir. And praise to God. He was the songbird of heaven. And he led the worship of God in heaven. He led the angelic choir. He led the angelic groups. He scheduled the angelic solos. He sang himself. It's interesting that he got tired of leading the worship. And he wanted to be worshipped. And so the, the son of the morning, Lucifer, became the father of the night, Satan. So the devil is the master of notes and lyrics. Do you listening to me? That's what he used to do And when he fell from heaven, he came to earth and immediately infiltrated the songs and music of our world. Because he's the God of this world. Do you understand that? This world right now is his. He's in control of it. It's only temporary. Don't get upset. Jesus is coming soon. But right now, it's his world. And he has influenced and he's impacted so many things, including the music industry. And he uses that control he has over singers and musicians and what they produce to influence the minds of those who hear it. Because he knows, and you and I better know, that if you get somebody's mind, you've got them why the communists always want the children. If they can get the children before the age of five, they can indoctrinate those children into communism. Satan, he wants the minds of people. And what better way to get their minds than through song and music? And so he infiltrates into those things because he knows if he can put the right thing, or maybe better said, the wrong thing into your mind, what you think is what you will do. I don't know if a study's ever been done. I haven't had time to research it. But I would be interested in looking at all these serial killers that we've had. What kind of music they listen to. It might would be interesting to learn. What they allowed to go into their head over a period of days and weeks and months and years. That led them to do what they would later do. Because remember what you think is what you are and what you are is what you'll do. That's why it's so important to monitor what you allow to come into your mind, whether it be through your eyes or through your ears. Because it does affect who you will become and later what you will do. God uses songs and music to calm us and to lift us up and encourage us. And Satan uses it likewise to create chaos in our life. And to push us down into the pits. You understand that when we allow good music, godly music, to come into our minds, it has a positive effect on us. I think one of my greatest stories I like to read in the Bible is about Paul and Silas in prison. Jailhouse rock. Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are in prison. Now, what are they in prison for, pastor? Did they break in somebody's car? Did they rob somebody? Did they beat up somebody? Did they shoot somebody? No, they're in prison because they dared to preach Jesus Christ to a society that didn't want to hear it. So they were put in prison. The authorities believe that if you can shut up the messengers, you shut up the message. So Paul and Silas are in prison. Better said, a dungeon. Now I want to describe what they're seeing so you can paint the picture here. This is not a federal prison like we have today. There's no soft beds and television sits there. Okay? Okay. They're in a dungeon. They're in a hole that is pitch black dark. They are chained to the walls. They are chained together. They're in a place that's filled with rats. Probably rats as big as your arm. Grizzly rats. They're they're in a place filled with cockroaches. Palmetto bugs, if you will. They're in a place that's covered with mold and mildew. They're in a place that's filled with water, most probably sewage water, because the sewage system of that day ran right through the prison systems. It's hot in the daytime. It's cold at night. They're surrounded by people who are cussing and using every foul word imaginable. They're listening to people sighing as they're dying. That's where Paul and Silas are at. And yet the Bible says they begin to do something. They begin to what? Sing. They begin to sing. They begin to praise God. They begin to allow the joy that comes only from Jesus to be lifted up and translated in words of a song, in words of praise, in words of prayer. And as their praise goes up, the power of God begins to come down. The power of God is being unleashed as the praises go up. The power is coming down. And they begin to witness to every single person in that prison. Those prisoners have never heard praise. They've heard profanity. They've heard vulgarity. They've heard hollering and screaming. But they're being introduced to the power of song. The power of praise. Praise. And joy begins to fill that place. And peace begins to fill that place. And hope begins to fill that place. And then the power of God begins to fill that place. And there's a shaking. Of course, you know the story. The chains came off. and The cell doors came open. Through that whole experience. A jailer came to know Jesus as he saw something he had never seen in all his years of running to prison. You see, whenever we begin to sing, sing with our mouths, sing with our hearts a song to God. A song of thanks, a song of appreciation, a song of praise. It changes us. It changes those around us. And it invites the power of God to come down. If you don't hear anything else from your pastor this morning, listen to this. When the praise goes up, the power comes down. wonder why we have services sometimes that are as dead as a doornail? Because we haven't put any praise going up. We've sat on our praise. We've been silent with our praise. We've slept with our praise. When God is ministered to with our praise, He ministers to us with His power. Now, the question we sometimes are asked, Pastor, if if songs and music are a reflection of our joy, if songs and music are a way of praising God, if songs and music are a celebration of His goodness and kindness and blessings to us, if songs and music transform us and transform those around us, And transform situations and circumstances that we find ourselves in. What kind of songs and music? Pastor, I know you mentioned Christian songs and music. But what kind of Christian songs and music? Traditional ones or contemporary ones? Yes and yes. I'm not trying to be a politician. I'm not running for anything this year. Which is it, pastor? It's both. It's both. This this music wars that go on in many churches, is crazy. It's crazy. All it is is egos vying for power. Do you know in Paul's day, They sang the oldies but goodies. We would call them the hymn book songs. On a regular basis, God's people in Paul's day would sing the psalms. The book that we call the psalms was really songs. And they were set to music. And they would sing those songs or psalms, if you will. In fact, Psalm 120 to Psalm 134 are called the songs of ascent. And these were classic songs that were sang at every Jewish or Christian festival, celebration, or holiday. These were songs that were sang on an ongoing, regular basis, Year in and year out. These are what we would call our hymn book songs. They sing them. You know, we do that, don't we? We sing songs of passion at Easter. Up from the grave he arose. He's risen. We sing songs at Christmas that are classical favorites. Silent night. Joy to the world. O come all ye faithful. When we have our patriotic services, we sing classic songs, God bless America, glory, glory, hallelujah, the battle hymn of the republic. We sing hymn book songs every Sunday, sometimes Amazing Grace, Rock of Ages, what a friend we have in Jesus, I go to the garden. Every one of those songs, minister, don't they? They have a calming effect or an energizing effect. They give peace and they give joy and they give hope as you sing them and as you listen to them being sung. But do you know in Paul's day they also sang contemporary songs? Yeah, I'm talking to you. They had the praise bands. And they came in and they sang contemporary songs. You say, Pastor, where do you get that from? In Psalm 96.1 it says, they sang to the Lord a new song. Psalm 40, verse 3, David said, God has put an oldie but goodie in my heart. No, it ain't what he said. God has put a new song. God has put a new hymn of praise in me. Revelation chapter 5 verse 9. Which is a picture of one of the greatest worship services we'll ever be part of. I hope you'll be there. The saints of all the angels. Of all the ages. Will join all of the angels. And we'll have a tremendous worship service. Where we will worship Jesus Christ as creator. And we'll worship Jesus Christ as savior. And we'll worship Jesus Christ as Lord. And in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, it says they all gathered around the throne. Who's y'all? We are. And they sang a new song. You see, so old Christian songs can minister. New Christian songs can minister. Have you ever wondered why God wants us to have not only a song, but a new song every now and then? Because when we have a new song, we have to engage the mind to sing it. How many times do we sing the old songs and never give them a thought? Keith made reference of that this morning. We just sing them. We don't think about them. We don't feel them. We just sing them. You see, the Lord doesn't want us just to sing songs. He wants us to have a mind and heart behind the songs. And it's so easy when you're familiar with something to become contemptible toward it. So that's why new songs are good. Because it shakes us out of the doldrums of just singing without engaging the mind and the heart. When you sing new stuff, you've got to think a little bit. Maybe you feel a little differently. When we sing new songs, we're communicating truth in a different way. You know, one of the things that I love about Miles Road is is that we can bring in a lot of different preachers, and they all have different styles, and they're all effective. I, I, I'm aware of the fact that I can't reach some of you. Scott Eadie can. Don Hawley can. Norman can. And I think they would also tell you they're aware they can't reach some of you. But I can. The point of the matter is different ways of presenting truth reach different people. And that's why a new song is good, because a new song sometimes can penetrate into somebody's mind and heart where an old song couldn't. And I think singing new songs does something else. It reminds us that the fact is that God is a new and fresh God every day. He's not an old Static, never-changing God. He is new, he's fresh, he's ever-changing. Not in the things of moral and spiritual doctrine, but in the, the way that he presents himself and the way that he wants us to worship him. That's why we sing the old and we sing the new. Got that? It's what I like about Daniel when he brings the praise team over with those young people. I can't tell you that I know every song they sing, and I can't really tell you I probably like every song they sing, but I'm telling you, it's fresh and it's new, and it makes me think, it makes me feel, it makes me respond. It's what I like about Keith and the choir. It's what I like about the groups that come. The individuals, they, they do it different ways. But they bless us all. Everybody gets blessed. I want to close by telling you a story. This is a true story. a song leader went to India on a short-term mission trip. He found himself on a Sunday morning in India in the city of Calcutta in a leper church, in a leper church. It may have been attached to Mother Teresa's ministry. I don't know that for a fact, but she did a great work in India for the lepers in Calcutta. And as this song leader was leading the music in the leper church, he was taking requests. And a lady who had a, a veil over her face raised her hand. And she said, I have a request. Out of respect to the song minister she removed the veil when she would spoke according to the song leader she was the ugliest most hideous person he had ever seen in his life leprosy had eaten away her whole face she had no nose she had no lips Her eyes were closed. Her face was deformed. This music minister, this song leader said she was the most hideous person I have ever seen in my life. He said it was everything I could do not to vomit. And you know what song she wanted him to sing? Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. They sang that song there. And he said he would never ever sing it the same way again. You see, that's what songs can do. They can remind us of a lot of things. Who we are, who others are, who God is. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a song this morning? I didn't ask you if you had a voice. Do you have a song? If we looked into your heart this morning, do we see the joy of that song? Do we see the praise of that song? Do we see the transformation of that song? As it's being played out in your life and in the life of those around you? In the situations and circumstances you find yourself in? Ladies and gentlemen, I wonder, just wonder, what would happen here at 8:30 next Sunday morning if we all came with our song and we presented it to the Lord, not to Keith. We sang with a new vigor a new vitality, a new energy, a new passion. We thought about what we sang. We felt what we sang. I wonder, just wonder, if we came next Sunday at 8.30 with that kind of spirit, if we wouldn't see the power of God come down and shake this whole place. Just wondering.